Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time LFC reporter, both home and away, James Pierce. He's having a little bit of a break, a day off in Dublin, ahead of tomorrow's friendly against Athletic Bilbao. However, I have with me our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hi, Andy. Hi, Ian. And also Echo reporter, Paul Gorst. Hi, Paul. Hello, Ian. Uh, we'll start with the news that's broken in the last hour and a half or so. Uh, Adam Lallana, he's injured, Andy. He's going to be out for two to three months. Uh, not what Liverpool wanted to hear with so close to the start of the season, is it? No, I mean, you have to expect you'll get injuries at any time of a season. Um, it's unfortunate that it's been a, a good week for Liverpool, I would have said. Look good in the in the Audi Cup, which no doubt we'll talk about later on. And um, today's just been one of those days where... Um, things have got a bit downbeat. Lalana, you know, has been crucial to Jurgen Klopp's style of play over the last eighteen months. You'd say, um, not absolutely guaranteed. I wouldn't have said to be starting the opening game, but a player who would have been a vital sort of cog in in a rotation. I would imagine that that the manager would have been thinking of playing um, with with keeping players fresh. So to lose him for you know those first two or three months of the season, we're told up to three months, um, and then obviously once he's back, a period of getting back up to fitness uh, is a big blow. And uh, you know there's some big games in those first couple of months, as we know. I mean, Paul, as and as Andy's just said, then you know he's been a key player, Adam Lallana for Jurgen Klopp. But at least it's in a position where Liverpool are they're quite well blessed, aren't they, with options in that kind of attacking midfield area? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to Joe Rimmer about it before, and we, and we were saying if there was one injury, if one position that Liverpool were going to get an injury, you know, it's you, you sort of hope that it was going to be a central midfield because they are well stocked there. They've got obviously Emre Chan, Wijnaldum, Henderson. Um, those three could comfortably form a, a midfield three, couldn't they? But I think it is a disappointing. Uh, bit of news for Liverpool because Lallana's he's sort of become a really influential figure for Klopp over the last you know since Klopp's been here last 18 months two years um, last season's probably his best since he signed from Southampton three years ago um, so you know it, it's, it's very disappointing it's not the, the case where he's, he's out for a couple of weeks and you can kind of get back you know Liverpool are talking three to, to maybe four months and that is a, a really big blow I mean, uh, you know, Adam Lallana, he's played his part under Jurgen Klopp, but is, is there a sense maybe, I know Paul just said then it was his best season, but that's the season where perhaps he didn't play as much as he has done in previous seasons for Liverpool? He, he's one of those players, isn't he? he does, he's still a little more, bit Marmite Lallana. I think he is much more appreciated than he was um, when, he, when he came. Because Klopp speaks so highly of him. People can see his work rate on the pitch. He often sets the tone... People talk about him being the one to instigate the press and everybody else follows in terms of club style and those sorts of things. So it, 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 is, it is a big loss, I think. He, you know, if, if you look at how the team sets up, you know, we're talking, about, Paul's mentioned about a possible midfield three. You, know, you could easily have had a midfield of Henderson, Wijnaldum, Coutinho, couldn't you? Um, and various, you know, and that's not even putting... Uh, Chan in there is it? Um, obviously, he's come back late and is catching up on fitness with everybody else. So there are there are options, but then what you've got to remember is other things will have happened. Will happen. Uh, other players will pick up knocks. Uh, we've spoken already about that desire to be able to bring in fresh players and rotate with those big big games in the first two or three weeks of the season. Just just to take that. Um, so not to be able to have someone who isn't 
he's Mr. Consistency, isn't he? He will come in and you know pretty much the display you'll you'll get off him. Um, still, for me, can could deliver a bit more in terms of goals and or assists for all that that's improved. Um, but he is one of those players who he'll get better every week he's out in the sense that people will miss him. Uh, and I think players often get over-appreciated a little bit by supporters when they're not in the team and then at times maybe quick to criticise them when they're back. Um, but Lalana is one of those you will... Does a lot of the work, and you, you'll notice him more when he's not there. Does it help in some ways, then, Paul, that it's the injuries happen now rather than in say ten days? Because at least Liverpool now have slight preparation to start the season, knowing that they're going to be without him, and Jurgen Klopp can plan accordingly. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, we know he's obviously going to miss the, the important games against Hoffenheim, um, but as you say, with it happening earlier, Klopp now knows that he's not going to be in contention for Watford, and he can sort of. Start juggling his options with who he knows are going to be 100. percent So that's you know Genie Wijnaldum, Henderson. Who let's not forget him. He missed however many games it was last season, last three months. Um, Emre Chan, he, he come back a little bit late, so you know he's playing catch up. But um, I suppose you know it is a good point that if an injury is going to happen, you know at least it's a little bit earlier than Klopp can sort of look towards you know the, the starting eleven for Watford. The, the the other question Ian, is, well, it, is I know it, the other question is the one I'm about to ask. Yeah, yeah which does it involve the window? It, it might well involve <laughs> the window and involve now that Liverpool know they're going to be without one of their key players for the next three months. Do they, with three and a bit weeks left of the transfer window, move for a new midfielder? It's a sixty-four million dollar question, or maybe well, a bit more than yeah. that. <laughs> um, um, you would imagine. Klopp's been sniffing around Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, mm. hasn't he? We've been full on, obviously, in terms of the desire to get Naby Keita. Who? Keita uh, Who? Who? <laughs> has been on the back burner, given Leipzig's stance of, of refusion to, to sell, and the word was that Liverpool had tucked that away till next summer. Uh, whether Liverpool now go and say, we just need to go back with an, with a massively increased bid just to test the water because there's now much more need um, is will be an interesting thing to watch unfold um, Might they the, not do that simply because they kind of got fed up uh, embarrassment's probably too strong a word but that kind of like they keep on going to, to Leipzig and then they keep going nah and then nah again and Liverpool come up with a ridiculously big offer now that Lallana's out and Leipzig know that they're after this player and they need him. The pre, you know the matter's much more pressing. That and then Tehran say, nah, again. It, it is. is there a bit it of is PR. More, is there a bit of PR to this as well? I don't think so. No club likes having bids rejected. I don't think. I know there's conspiracy theories that that clubs make bids in the hope they get turned down, just so they can show to their fans that they're making bids. It's that's not that's not something that Liverpool are, are in a situation. Clubs want to be seen to being successful, and part of that success is if you make a bid. You, you you get it. So hence why Liverpool stepped back uh, from Cater. Um Whether the Lalana situation reinvigorates that process and sees Liverpool potentially go and, and put several more million onto the table, um, it's difficult to say. I mean, they, they obviously, I think, would have been prepared to make... You know, a third bid for Keita if they thought it had a chance of success. 
does Liverpool's problems with a significant injury, does that make it any more likely that Leipzig would want to say yes? Well, Leipzig aren't, aren't doing anything to do for Liverpool's benefits. Yeah, exactly. There's absolutely nothing. So it may change nothing in that scenario. Well, whether the, whether there's a different line yeah. then, you know, potentially to increase uh, the interest in Oxlade Chamberlain or yeah, another figure perhaps, or does he go, well, actually, I'm pretty pleased with the midfield I've got at the moment. I've spoken in the last 48 hours about the fact that I'm going to keep players angry because there's not going to be enough places for all of them. Is this just a situation where we you know, cut our cloth to our means and, and, and play with what we got? When we were here, Paul, this time in January it was, where we kind of a similar situation where there was a player injured. Liverpool could have moved to, to cover for him. They didn't. They ended up getting knocked out of several competitions and the title challenge ended there. And a player away, of course, as well. Yeah, and a player away as well. Yeah. So, in your opinion, should Liverpool now move for somebody to bolster those numbers in midfield? Because I know you mentioned you you were speaking with Joe and he said, well, at least this, this injury is a situation, a place, sorry, where Liverpool are well covered. But should they use this as an excuse, not an excuse, but a kick up the backside to go for um, yeah, somebody? Yeah, I think most definitely. Um, you know, Oxley Chamberlain was, was being talked about before Lallana's injury. And that was while he was still in the hunt uh, for Navigator. So, I, I don't see why... Um, you know, this latest news would, would sort of quell that on the Liverpool front. I think they, they should act, as you say, as a kick on the backside to be like, we're missing an, an influential midfielder for four months. Um, and Cause, and cause so it, far, there's only really Mohamed Salah who's, and Andy Robertson who are going to be pushing for, for the first 11 against Watford. Um, so, you know, I think they should be delving back into the market because, sooner rather than later. Because really. these next four months, three months even, that's you know, your, your Champions League qualifiers, hopefully some Champions League group games. You've got some big league games, so by the time the League Cup starts as well, but by the time he comes back, Liverpool season could be completely different to what they're expecting now. It could be, Ian, but then you've got to look at a scenario in three months, or possibly less, but let's say three months, you know, possibly a little bit, you know, Recuperation time in terms of getting let's the say it's three months anyway. Okay, let's yeah. say three months. Then Adam Alana's back, hmm. so that, that sort of marks against the sort of the sort of any form of panic buying because we're we're in, we're in a situation where the player will be back. a footballer's got injured. It happens, you know. Do we do we? My my view is that only if it's only if it's quality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's well, no, you would say Oxley Chamberlain is. I wouldn't necessarily call that a panic buyer. interested. Yeah, I'm not talking about Oxley Chamberlain. We're saying a kick up the backside. And me and Paul were agreeing, and we're yeah. hoping that you're going to agree now. I'm, I'm talking <laughs> no, because I'm sort of talking you're about not, scenario, not necessarily. I'm no. talking about a scenario where okay, Cater stays sort of on the back burner. Um, Oxley Chamberlain do, doesn't quite happen with Arsenal and everything else. Uh, I'm I'm disagreeing in terms of do they then try and push interest in somebody who they decided they weren't really going to push interest in just because of Adam Lallana's injury. And this is where I think I probably differ from you two in the sense that I probably wouldn't. I'd sort of look at the midfield options we've got, be aware that we've got potentially a couple of good young players who can come in and do... But he made job. this mistake in January, and Klopp admitted it was wrong. Did he admitted it? Was yes, wrong. but he still. But that but we were threadbare then. This midfield is not 
Take an Adam Lallana over, who I don't think would have started against Watford, but I do think would have had a significant. Obviously, and well, he's going to play at least he, half of the games. He would he's play available. a significant number yeah. of games, whether and, and often games are decided, even if he was coming off the bench, and games are often decided in those periods. So it is a big loss, but we still have a significant, significant number of very good footballers in midfield for me, and it, I do agree with Paul and and Joe that. Uh, that you know, if we were to get an injury, this is probably the area we could best cope with it. But um, you know, for instance, Christian Walsh, who's been uh, with us today, is, is is you know is adamant that they need they definitely need to go and um, and push on and buy another midfielder now. Um, so I think there will be different opinions among uh, supporters out there, uh, just as there are in the room. But um, it'd be interesting to know um, how. You know quite how far down the line they were in terms of say someone like I mean Oxford Chamberlain would be perfect in this scenario because it is about someone to come in and bolster the squad isn't it who might not necessarily yeah, he, he be he would be a perfect squad player yeah so I don't think he wants to be that though does he that's, that's the thing yeah, but if why he, would if you go he, from Arsenal squad player to Liverpool squad okay, player ok well come and prove yourself then um, I think Klopp's shown that if you come and do the business you get in the team don't you he hasn't been afraid to when Origi was doing the business Doris was sat yeah, on the bench yeah. You know, big reputations are nothing. If you come in and play and do well, you're in the team. So that would be the gauntlet they'd lay down to someone like Oxley Chamberlain if if they could get him. Now, the Lalana news, when that came out, there was quite a lot of interest on social media regarding it. The rumours, they came from there. But there was also rumours that there was going to be another announcement regarding uh, Philippe Coutinho. Turns out that he's basically not fit at the moment. He's got a bit of a sore back. He won't be flying out for the... Um, for the friendly in Dublin on Saturday. Andy, do you, are you worried by Neymar going, leaving Barcelona, or do you think, though, that Liverpool might be not tempted to, to let him go, Coutinho, but kind of coerced into to letting him go? Or are they going to just do what Leipzig and seemingly Southampton are doing at the moment and just stand firm? Yeah, I mean, there, there's only one scenario I can see Coutinho leaving Liverpool, and that would be literally if the player absolutely threw... Um, the a giant sort of um, not playing for Liverpool anymore. But he's shown um, no signs of doing. Shown no no signs of doing that. And he doesn't. We don't feel he's that type of player. But we do have a scenario where we do think probably he he would like to go to Barcelona at some stage. Um, though he's not, you know, he's never come out and said that. But that's the vibe. And Barcelona, we know would be keen to have him and have had a bid rejected, albeit a, a bid most of us would have regarded as not a serious bid. Hmm. That's um, interesting you make, make that point. It's not a serious bid, and I think that's been overlooked. It's like the, for the player himself, if they actually wanted him, he'd probably think, well, I'm probably worth a bit more than that. It's funny, though, isn't it, when you're talking about 72 million? I know it's all relative, and as far as I'm concerned, the Neymar fee doesn't count. doesn't no, count. Yeah. That's just yeah. ridiculous. That's something sep completely separate, but when you've got... Kyle Walker going for apparently £54 million pounds. and Mbappe who's played a season, a season and a half and he's apparently worth £110 yeah. million. Pounds. It is though, but if you take Paul's point, I mean, I, I regarded that as a derisory offer but £72 million probably puts you in the top how many football fees in history? Ten. Top, top ten. Certainly in the top ten. But Lukaku, Lukaku costs less, uh, more than that. Yeah, that's so Manchester true. United. And who would you rather have, Lukaku or Coutinho? I know they're completely different types of players and both very good at what they do, but which one's going to make more of an impact? Well, I mean, I, I choose Coutinho every day because I don't think Lukaku's in 
Well, I'm not putting this on Lacan, yeah, I'm just yeah. pointing out the fact that, it's, that these are the fees, which is why you see that. Coutinho would see that offer and go, and it. Yeah. I don't, well, I, I don't think a player would be overly concerned with, with their value. Well, they always, think, they always say I that. Think ultimately, the if, if, if they want to move, they're not bothered if they're moving for £100,000 or £100 million, are they? If, if they want that move. I think it's more, not so much the, the amount as such, but how much they actually want him. How much they value him. How much they want him. And that, that, that seems a little bit, little bit cheeky. That's just no, my thoughts. Anyway. But I mean, in terms of the La, the, La, the Lalana situation and how that might impact on, on Coutinho, I mean, it must surely redouble Liverpool's um, strength that, that they're not going to do any deal for, for Coutinho. They desperately need him now in these next uh, few months. And um, if Barcelona come calling with a massively significant offer, we, if they've, they've got 200 million to spend, um, it would take something ridiculous, I think I said last week, something ridiculous. I think the problem is, is at this stage, Liverpool don't need the money, like every other Premier League club, club really. They could sell Philip Coutinho for £120 million per se, and who would they get to replace him? There's, there's no one really floating around who you look at and think they, they're of a similar ability, other than obviously players who you'd imagine, or you'd probably say are better, uh, you know, your Suarez, your Messi's, Ronaldo's, Neymar. Um, so I, I think that's the real problem for, for Liverpool would be who would they get to replace Coutinho? That's an interesting point because it seems that the more money that teams have got now, the harder it's actually come to actually buy the best players. Yeah, everyone's just got to renegotiate their sights, don't they, in terms of what's... I mean, Leicester bought uh, Ineacho today for 25, mm. was it? And I actually thought to myself, not bad business that probably yeah. because he's a striker with a quite a bit of potential who's already shown but potential twenty five million pounds. It, any, any Premier League club who can get a player for under thirty million have done well. Yeah, exactly. But when you look back to what twenty five million was buying you just twelve months ago, mm. we Liverpool spent twenty five million on Ginny Wijnaldum, who was an established uh, Dutch international um, and had done double figures, for double, goals, double from figures for goals from midfield in in the in the, the Premier got League relegated as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so you know, you were on a level there for twenty. And, and there were quite a few people thought that's quite a bit. Twenty five well, for Ginny Wijnaldum. For, for Manny, what was it thirty four, thirty four million? I think, or thirty two and a half, something 30. like that. 30, well, thirty. And in, other yeah. people said thirty four. It was or in that everyone went. Well, that's a lot of money. But then, literally within about three weeks, people were saying, "Oh, that's fair enough." It's interesting what you would say in terms of, and I know this is relative to everything you would replace it. But you look at that Liverpool lineup at the moment. And what it would cost you to buy those players? I mean, what would anyone need to bid to make Liverpool think of selling Mane at the moment? You're looking at more than seventy again, aren't you? You're yeah, at yeah, seventy yeah. to eighty million at least. So there's fifty million pound profit on a player. You it, could... It's like when teams would put values on players to stop them from leaving. Like basically, this the release think... clause. But going back to Neymar, the release clause was clearly there. Like, oh, it's a ridiculous amount that, that no one's ever going to meet. That was three people in the room coming up with a figure thinking, yeah. let's just put in something that no one will ever pay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's yeah. I'll just go 2-2-2. Two, two, two. And, and somebody's gone, I just made that up off the top of my head. <laughs> and, and, but this is the thing when you've got, a, obviously PSG is effectively the Qatari government, isn't it? Yes. That's, that's, you know, you're talking essentially... And I don't think Barcelona can complain too much given some of the, the underhand ways they... they Bought players. I think it's a bit rich for them to be crying. Oh about yeah, it. absolutely. And and there's no sympathy for them because 
you know, the, our fear is that, that they will continue to covet Coutinho. Um, the best thing that can happen for Liverpool is that they sort of turn their attention somewhere else and all, all the players I've been mentioned and, and that that path looks easier for them in terms of a club who perhaps would welcome the money more at this stage than, than, than Liverpool and a player they feel they could replace far easier than most of us would think Liverpool could replace Coutinho. So do you expect to see Coutinho at Liverpool in September the 1st? I do, yeah. Um, five-year deal back in January. It's got to count for something. Liverpool have got no intention of selling, no intention of listening to any offers. Um, I'm going to say yeah. Andy, same question to you. Absolutely, and, and put it this way, if the alternative, you know, get yourself some headphones because there will be so <laughs> there will be explosions everywhere if if there were if there were to be an alternative you know uh, I can't you know I I couldn't even see a scenario where Liverpool announced that they'd accepted the bid or had been forced to accept the bid and but here's Naby Keita and Virgil van Dijk as a sort of antidote I don't even think that would work uh, Coutinho is too you know the the hopes for the season are too tied up in in Coutinho and what he can work it, with Mane and yeah. Salah. It whets the appetite, and to then take out the the sort of puppet master if you want from that 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 attack just makes no sense whatsoever. And there is nothing that can make Liverpool sell Coutinho to Barcelona. He, I mean, I mentioned earlier, you know, only the player doing. I'm striking. I'm never playing for you again. With a five year deal and a World Cup coming up end of the season Liverpool just need to go sorry mate if you're not playing for us we'll sue you for breach of contract and um, uh, you know you'll sit in, in at home or on the reserves or, or wherever um, it, no has to mean no the World Cup's an interesting point you've made there because some are suggesting that's why Neymar has gone to PSG so we can kind of build his brand as it were so he can become world footballer of the year by doing well at the World Cup and it's something he'd never really be able to do in the shadow of Suarez and, and, and Messi and you mentioned then about Coutinho in the World Cup and the, the last thing you want to be is like not playing on strike on the bench all this kind of stuff but I'm going to mention Virgil van Dijk now and I mentioned I think in the last podcast that we did is that Holland aren't going to be in the World Cup so he doesn't really have that issue if he decides he wants to go on strike I suppose Southampton could just say okay fine do what you want I have to say it, it hadn't registered with me that that angle on it, Ian. But you might you might have something there. Um, they they've fallen from grace, Holland as a team, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, big style. Um, yeah, Van Dijk presumably can play h- harder ball um, and continue. You know, we keep hearing reports that Southampton are going to have another meeting with them and tell them we're our stance is the same. And do you, feel, do you feel a bit sorry for Southampton because it's exactly the same situation. With Coutinho, except obviously Liverpool yeah. have... It's a slightly different scenario around that. But I think if we didn't cover Liverpool, who've had what is it, half a dozen players in the last three years from Southampton, mm. if, we, if we were covering another Premier League club, we'd be looking at it from the outside, thinking they're getting a bit hard, hard done by Southampton. The, the fans must absolutely hate you know, the, the word Liverpool, the team Liverpool. Every summer, we'll just, just keep calling and pinching it you know, wherever they like. And Finally, Southampton has said enough's enough at this stage. Um, there is a very real reason why Liverpool keep buying players from Southampton which I won't go into in massive detail but it makes absolute sense um, it's not just doesn't Liverpool obviously need players at a certain level who are playing to a high level in the mm. Premier League the vast majority of the other top teams your cities United uh, Arsenal 
as, as we're seeing a little bit with Oxford Chamberlain. Uh, but aren't going to sell players to Liverpool. Um, so Liverpool have to go one notch down. Who do you find one notch yeah. down? Everton. Well, Everton aren't going to sell players to Liverpool. That's you know pretty relatively well established. Who do you come to next? You tend to come to Southampton, and that's um, they obviously have a good youth and scouting program that yeah. brings good players forward. So that's the you know okay. There's the European and world market which Liverpool are fishing in as well. But there's that that that's to a lot. Of course, there's good players in some other clubs further down. Uh, and Liverpool have done that, hopefully, with Robertson and buying him from you know a relegated team. But um, yeah, there, there's a reason that players have looked impressive, uh, and are players that Liverpool have been able to get. Southampton, unfortunately for Liverpool, have sort of reached a certain stage where we're they're, they're wee bit sick of yeah. it, and uh, and, uh, and you can understand it. You can't blame them, can you? you can't blame we them. will park Van Dijk, Coutinho, and all of them, and we'll look back at. There was actually some football played in midweek. In fact, there's been three games since the last pod. There was the uh, 3-0 win against uh, Hertha Berlin. Seems like that. You may have to remind me what happened in that. (laughs) Liverpool (laughs) scored three goals. Uh, In fact, I can't remember who scored. Wijnaldum, Salah and... That's right. um, Solanke, the header. The header, the looped header. Then, on Tuesday, they played Bayern Munich in Munich. Which Uh, I think is the game that most people will take out of the week. which is the... Obviously, 3-0 win, excellent performance, although I must say, Bayern Munich were pretty terrible, I have to say, and they've got some problems there, I think. Lost five of their six pre-season yes. games. Not and then the following day, which I regard as being slightly more instructive as when, OK, it was slightly less a strength team for Liverpool, but against Atletico Madrid, you put everybody behind the ball, played yeah. the kind of way that an awful lot of teams will play against Liverpool this season. I mean, Liverpool come away with a one or creditable one-all draw, OK, lost on penalties, but no, I don't think anyone's too fussed. Andy, you mentioned then about the game against Bayern. Was that the one that perhaps we saw? Did we learn anything in that game? Because we saw, you know, the the the, the four attackers, they all shone. We we knew they would do that anyway. Was it just kind of? They did, but I mean, we, let, let's not get carried away in terms of how Bayern were relatively poor and have had a, have had a disappointing pre-season. They were booed off by their fans after losing to Napoli the following day. Well, it does be harsh. It was the reserve Well, as team, Matt, wasn't Matt it, Hummel yeah. said afterwards, you know, look. Booers for the Liverpool form, but not not sort of the much changed team we played against Napoli. Um, I mean, he described the game against Liverpool as his worst experience at a Bayern shirt in terms of the performance they put in. But there's, there's give some credit to Liverpool here, and what we did learn is that Liverpool, maybe we didn't learn it, but what we saw perhaps, um, what we witnessed unfold was Liverpool's pace, wasn't it, and how yeah. how yeah. scary they can be and. On counter attack, or transitional, whatever you want to call it, I forget which the is break. The, the buzzwords. Yeah, on the break, exactly. <laughs> depends. <laughs> depends which generation you belong to. But so that ability to frighten teams um, was was there for all to see. We were good at it last season. Throw Salah into the mix, we're going to be even better at it this season. Um, and we saw a very good performance. And you know, I, I think it was it was a massive positive experience and we saw a lot you know it was massive interest in the in stuff that James sent over from the game and um, it showed I think that that was a game where fans were looking at it going you know that we could be great to watch yeah. this season if nothing else that will be great to watch at times yeah I mean it, as you said earlier it's you know the caveat of buying win at the races but it's still it's still a buying team isn't it they still had Hummels Ribery Lewandowski um, and then Liverpool tore them apart, particularly the second half. You know, did the little triangles and 
with Tino was pulling the strings and, and that was the performance of pre-season but my worry is you mentioned that about stretching teams with the pace and, and you know the counter-attacks and stuff the pool going to play <clears throat> uh, was it 19 home games next season but about 15 of them they're going to have teams who are going to sit deep um, so it's going to be more difficult to utilise the pace of Mane and, and uh, Salah and that that is you know what we've seen so far is what Liverpool are looking to do more often than not is use their pace you know expand the pitch and it's going to be difficult when teams are going to sit with two banks of four for, for most of Anfield games. But an interesting point that I've only just realised now, the game was on ITV4 and it's got to be the first time in a long time Liverpool have been on terrestrial television. Well, a lot of fans who haven't got Sky, who haven't got BT or anything, or LFC TV or anything like that would have seen them and they'd have been like, oh, hello. If they find ITV4. You know what I mean yeah. by that. No, absolutely, probably. And there were, there were little bits in the game that would just give you a little... Perk up, I thought. Yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold. I know. I know. Everyone <laughs> knows. I've I think. Or, I think, Andy. To be fair, you've championed Trent from the very beginning, and I think now we will stop making fun of it. Okay. Not because we didn't believe you, but just because you were so enthusiastic. Well, uh, and I yeah. think a lot of people now see why you were so enthusiastic. But the best thing about that game was you could see the you could see his mistakes in the game as well. And he was um, in the first half. He had problems in terms of Rebury. And, and the threat he was offering, but he got he, he just he got stuck into him, didn't yeah. he? And that was the best thing. He sort of solved the problem for himself a bit, and he he needs it. Sort of works, I think, physically. Trent is quicker than Ribery, I, I, I think. I would say, you know, much to be younger. Fair, of course, about fifty-six. Exactly, thirty-five. Uh, exactly. So he, you know, he's quicker, but you know, strong, and he and he sorted out the problem for himself. And Klopp spoke afterwards a bit about you know the fact that he was, you know. Trent had done well because you know no one wants to play against Ribery as he said I think, but he sorted it out and and I thought that was really impressive. Um, I think it was the uh, it was also the game where we had the great goal disallowed, didn't we? With yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Ryan Kent's um, step over, um, which was really unlucky for Kent because if that's if that's a goal, it's still a step over. It's still a piece of skill. People it, still remember it. But I mean, in terms it, it of seems it to being, register more if the goal yeah. counts, doesn't it? If you if you go in if you go in in ten years when they're doing the the goals of, of the season or whatever, and you know it won't be in there because it was it was ruled out. But it was great for Kent um, and obviously Lalana. Well, it was um, Lalana's fault, so maybe it was like Kent's then gone home and. Jinched so, them. Yeah, basically. Serves <laughs> <Yeah>. him <laughs> um, right for being stood there. Yeah, but there were, there were just little moments through that game where you just thought, um, th- this is great. And, um, you know, I, I think we've seen that throughout pre-season, bits of positivity that we can take. Um, we saw bits from Robertson in, in the games where he showed the benefit. I mean, Paul's talking about those teams. and what, Obviously, this is where the Atletico game came in mm. and why, as you say, it was far more instructive than any other yeah. game, I think, of pre-season. Um, there was, particularly so, because it it wasn't just a defensive team, it's a defensive team who can also hurt you because they've got good players as well. One, one they, of the best defensive teams in Europe. Exactly. Well. It was interesting because they, they didn't have their full team out, but you, they played in exactly the same way. It's like their entire team, because Simeone's been there for a very long time now, certainly, yeah. in terms of well, five years. Yeah, yeah, it's a, lot, it's well, a someone, long time. Someone said to me on Twitter, you know, really dis- disappointed about why Atletico set up that way and I said to him well yeah, that's the way them. they play <laughs> I mean, and, watched them for but, the best but you know they're obviously I think because it was pre-season perhaps they expected a bit more um, but why would you if this is how you're going to play then your pre-season is about playing that exactly, way and getting yeah. into mm-hmm. it so they played that way and you could tell it was frustrating some of the Liverpool players I think that was indirectly 
one of the reasons why we saw a really poor dive from Origi, didn't we? You know, it was a there was contact and it was a foul about maybe five seconds before he <laughs> fell down, but it it wasn't it wasn't great, was it? He's been watching James Spears play. That's what he's yeah. Now, if Trent was impressing on the right in at right back, uh, Paul, there was this guy called Alberto Moreira who was on the left. Now, a lot of people wouldn't say excited, but were pleasantly surprised by his performance. I mean. Against Bayern, again, this was a team that was playing on the break and it kind of suited the way that he likes to play the game. But, you know, what did you think? I mean, I, did you join everybody being excited by him after the game? I or? didn't know he could take free kicks in any score, didn't he? Um, not particularly. I mean, he did play well. Um, one of his, his best performances. Uh, but it's come in a pre-season friendly and it's it's far too little and it's far too late, I think. Um, he's third-choice left-back going into the new season and... Think of Liverpool get the magic offer of fifteen million. He'll be on his way. You agree with that, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I've I wrote a piece yesterday around this, and you know, I said the you know, the I think I said in it the the complicating truth of the matter is that the best left back performance we saw from a, from a from a Liverpool player in pre season was Alberto Moreno, uh, the guy though shuffling towards the exit door. But uh, I'm with Paul. I, I don't think there's any reason to, you know park that train and get him off um, we haven't seen enough evidence of of any consistent level of performance from him for a while um, I think he started nine games last season um, well, we've, don't seen, th- we've, we've seen a consistent level of performance it's just not been a very good level yeah I mean he's always, he's always offered something going forward hasn't he? I yeah. mean, he he did well going forward but he was a bit more solid defensively that's what people were Maybe a little I'm, bit I'm more. Not, I'm not buying into this because I still think that he was doing the same stuff that he's always done. He was diving in, but he was getting the ball. And also, when the crosses were coming in and he was looking to defend them, he was still turning his back a little bit. And they're the kind of things that fans have been frustrated he, with. I didn't see him put his hands behind his back at yeah. any stage, well, which, which, was his, which was his, <laughs> his favourite, <laughs> uh, most, most frustrating <laughs> trick for me. Um, because they all that, do that in Spain, don't they? A lot of them do that in Spain. But it's his concentration levels for me. He switches off, and you know he can't do that in the Premier League. And, and you know he did it at Arsenal on the first day of last season. Then the uh, first day of uh, yeah last season, he switched off, and it was the wrong time, and conceded a, a penalty. I think it was, and he's um, he's shown up too late for me. I think. Yeah, I mean we should. I think he's he's, he's far and away not the worst. Footballer you'll ever see. No, no, I, think, I think he he's, gets a lot of unfair criticism. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's, I think he'd make a great left wing back. Potentially, yeah, and um, yeah, I still think that we'll have a scenario. The one I perhaps uh, envisage is that in games at Anfield, where we really need that left foot balance on the left side to try and get round behind teams, teams that are sitting deep, you need to use your width. Then I think Robertson is going to be a better option more more times than not. But if you're going to Old Trafford, or if you're going to, um, I don't know, the New White Hart Lane, or Wembley, or, or, or Wembley yes, or, or where, <laughs> I forgot, but there's not going to be ready, of course. But, but yeah, those types of places, for me, I'm putting the number seven on the board and James Milner because I want his reliability, I want his experience, I want his level-headedness in terms of not letting uh, a situation get to him. And um, I think... That it could be a horses for courses season. We talked about rotation. There's no reason why Milner can't play a certain proportion of the games and Robertson play the others. And that that's a nice way of shifting your transition, maybe from one yeah, to the other. Actual rotation mm-hmm. rather than yeah. 
Now, what could be more Daniel Sturridge than, <laughs> than running onto a through ball, performing a great chip, scoring a great goal, and then getting injured in the process and then having to go off? It, well, it wasn't... <laughs> let's hope... The only bit that I hope isn't um, very Daniel deserve, Sturridge, He does not it? deserve to be injured again. No, he doesn't. That, that way and, he came, and he's been going well. And he, he came out afterwards on the club channel and said, look, I'm, I'm fine, it's nothing serious. And um, but he didn't play uh, did he against Atletico on his no, accounts. He's, he's not being considered for the game. He's not, um, not playing. He's not going to Dublin either. Not going to he Dublin. might not necessarily have played but, anyway. But, but why? That's true, but yes, why would you risk him? Why would you mm. risk him anyway? Mm. What we don't want to see is we have heard that time Sturridge come off and go. Oh, it's it's nothing too much. And well, then he, we play, he played on for a little while, didn't he? Yeah, he played on for a little while. Then he and just I sorted off. What we should remember about that is the great finish. Do you know what I mean? And it was that that caused the injury in the sense that he used the sort of st- that straight leg technique to sort of do the chip, and then that to do that you sort of have to tighten the muscle, don't yeah. you? Almost I think he that. might have actually been injured before he hit it. You know, I think he actually got injured in the process of just speeding up to get to the ball. Yeah, but he did. Didn't you think? I thought a he looked quicker than I, I thought he'd looked for a while. As soon as he mm. come on, he passed clean through, didn't he? Yeah, and and he had a shot yeah. just had it too much instep in it, wasn't it? Curled wide and. I mean, he's looking great, Daniel Sturridge. Um, he posted a video about going off to an event in Birmingham, I think, on the weekend earlier. So he, he look, still looked positive and, and up for things. So hopefully, you know, he's he's someone that, that isn't, you know, isn't going to be someone like a Lallana who's going to be out for an extended period of time. And then we are talking a week or two and then, you know, we'd be in contention again because could be, you know, I, I certainly was in the camp that he was, he was going at the yeah. end of last season. I really was. I think, um, I think we all thought that until the last couple of weeks, so, didn't we? When so we were, we, game, we, we were reminded, and he, he scored, and we were reminded of okay. we were reminded of what he can do. His, his class was there for all to see in that West Ham game, and and and, and that did start a sort of people. Why are we selling this chap? But for me, I I never thought that. I'd always felt that Klopp, Klopp's actions have shown that he doesn't trust Sturridge, and that Klopp isn't really a man. Once he establishes his opinion over a period of time, he isn't one to really change it. And I thought um, he will move Sturridge on. Um, to Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been, You're I'm, still trying to sell him to Arsenal. I'm not trying. I don't want him to go there because I think he'll do brilliant <laughs> if he went. But uh, um, obviously they've they've spent their money on Lacazette, so and that's fine. But uh, yeah, Sturridge, you know, fingers crossed, I think. But obviously we won't see him against uh, Bilbao tomorrow. We'll finish then. Sorry, Paul. Uh, no, I was just going to say the the goal against Bayern literally was Sturridge's Liverpool career in the nutshell, wasn't it? It was in five yeah. seconds. An encapsulation. Yes, we will finish then by looking at Liverpool's return to Germany, which will be in the Champions League qualifier. They've drawn Hoffenheim, who our um, resident Champions League pot specialist Christian Walsh, I think he was kind of warning that was the one that they didn't want. Uh, are you in agreement with that, Andy? So, totally. I had a look at the uh, pros and cons of. Each of the five we could have got the day before, and um, I very definitely came to the conclusion that Hoffenheim were the one we didn't want. Um, they've got a, an impressive young manager, uh, the youngest in all five top leagues. I think he, he got the job at 28. I think he's 30 now. He's 30 at the end of last month. Yeah, so this, this is, um, I'm not sure I can <laughs> yeah. I say it right. Ju- Julian, me at least. Julian Nagelsmann. Um, you know, he is the open, I think they call him. Uh, Mini Mourinho, I've heard somebody call him. Um, he is seen as a real up-and-coming manager in Germany. To get, um, obviously, he I think he came in at the end, halfway through the 
previous seasons, stabilised Hoffenheim, and then um, obviously they had a good season last year. I mean, they finished fourth, two points behind Borussia Dortmund. Um, so that's a obviously Dortmund had some troubles, but five behind, five points behind Leipzig, and we know that they had some very good players yeah. last season. So um, it's going to be a tough test. Um, and it's definitely, if you look at the teams, we could have got Stoy Bucharest. You'd expect Liverpool to, uh, young mm. boys. Istanbul. Uh, Istanbul would have been, it's not a terrible journey, actually. I was looking at it four hours, 15 minutes, but a bit of a longer journey than some. But And you'd face, obviously, a passionate crowd. But 17,000 stadium over there, you'd, you'd take that. Yeah. Um, you say the, that, but Besiktas wasn't much more, and that was like 10, it's 11, a different 10 Liverpool years team. ago. A bit more of an established team, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the the other one that some people were, I think, more pleased to avoid because they saw a whole Mario Balotelli narrative unfolding <laughs> uh, was Nice. Um, they obviously pushed Monaco, who were a very good side, as we know, last year, got to the semi-finals of the Champions League, and PSG, where we know the sort of strength they have in terms of finance. Uh, very close in France last year, so... Um, you're certainly in for the first few months of the season so they would have been a test but Hoffenheim um, they have lost two good players two people regard as their best players young centre back and uh, uh, another guy have gone to central midfielder central midfielder he's, they've gone to Munich in the way that Munich tend to cherry pick the best players in, in Germany don't they so you know, often in the past we've seen them go to Dortmund and pick their players Clearly, they've seen Hoffenheim as the team, possibly to get that those young stars coming coming from this. Well, doesn't what, what I think Rudy's twenty eight? I think, or it's, he's certainly not young. I know that. The, yeah, you may be right, but the, they, they've they've cherry picked from Hoffenheim, and I think it's significant that they've gone there, in the sense that they've clearly liked what they saw last season, and um, yeah, uh, I I think it's a really. Tough tie. I can understand people saying, "Look, we're Liverpool. We'll beat them." I can understand that that we should be prepared to be facing player teams of that ilk if we want to play Champions League football successfully. Absolutely, but given where it comes in the season, you know, straight after the first game and then straight after your second game, you would like the easiest passage possible. Yeah, of course. And and that that's not it, is it, Paul? No, it certainly isn't. Uh, I agree with you. It is the, the most difficult. Of the five games that Liverpool could have played, um, but you know Hoffenheim would probably be saying the same thing um, over in Germany at the moment. I know Nagelsmann's come out and he sort of said he's already thinking of a plan against uh, Klopp and, and you know Liverpool and so on, which you'd expect him to be to be thinking of at this stage. Um, but I was looking at the, the squad list when the draw was announced, and I don't think that there's anyone there who's going to strike fear into Liverpool's hearts when they, they see the name on the team sheet. On the day, or you know, whatever it would be, um, it is the most difficult side. But it's one I expect Liverpool to, to negotiate in the end. I mean, I'm I'm not really having the the whole concern over this draw because I think if you're going to do anything in the Champions League, you have to be beating the fourth best team in in Germany and a team that let's face it, they've never ever played in Europe before, ever. So for them, this is kind of the pressure's not really on them. The pressure will be on Liverpool, and I think that while they've got good players, Liverpool have to be looking at this and going well. This is one that they, they have to be looking to, you know, there's no excuse for them not to get through is what I'm they, trying to they say. They didn't lose a game at home last season. They didn't, no. So they've obviously got something about them in front of their own fans. They took, they took four points off Bay Munich as well. well. They had the, they had, and they had the longest unbeaten run 
in the top five leagues in Europe. They, they weren't beaten until January the 28th, I think was the when I looked at it yesterday. So that's, no, that's, we're talking, that's we're a fair, up. That's a fair bit of the season, you know. <laughs> yeah. Presumably half of August, September, well, October, Liverpool November. Top, Liverpool were nearly top going into Same. January. Man, Man, we Man, we Man, know what happened then. Similar, didn't he? And he yeah. went from 6th to 6th. So, no, they play. They tend to play uh, with three at the back, with wing-backs. So that, that'll be an interesting sort of um, how each of the managers... It feels like Klopp obviously was, you know, that... You know, at one stage was the, the coming German manager wasn't he in terms of yeah. being sort of cool and, and, yeah, and things his favourite wasn't he yeah sort of thing and it feels like there's there's like a new wave coming through now and obviously this chap at you know getting a job at 28 now 30 you know I can't even remember what I was doing at 30 um <laughs> Well, it was it was it was it was a few too many years ago. So, you know, he is a young manager, but that brings with it, yeah, okay, a lack of experience, perhaps, but clearly, energy, um, someone who's desperate to learn, someone who's no doubt studying the game all the time, and with a real vigor, and he he'll he'll relish, oh, of course, he'll yeah. absolutely yeah. relish this game. One of his stories, if you're saying they've never played in Europe before, um. That almost makes it more scary for me in the, in the sense that it's it's a massive, massive occasion for them. That can go two ways, can't it? It can absolutely inspire them. Yeah. Or it's uh it gets you know, becomes more about the occasion and less about what's happening on the pitch. But I do I still think, having said that, I've bigged them up. I've said I'm it's the one I definitely didn't want, but I am firmly of the belief that Liverpool had the talent on the pitch to win the game. Well whoever Liverpool would have drawn against. They've been in five of these playoffs in the past. I mean, the one against, I think it was Hacker, we can't really count that one because that was under slightly different rules. But every other time, they've not exactly made a meal of it, but it's always been very, very close. I mean, you're looking at when they beat Grazza in 2004-05, they won the away like 2-0, but still lost 1-0 at home, a few nervy moments. The next year, CSK Sophia, they won 3-1 away. Okay, that one was slightly different. Standard Liège went to Standard Liège, they missed a penalty. Standard Liège, Rainer saved it in the away leg. Then that was a last minute, near enough last minute goal in extra time. It was nearly penalties. A dirt when they goal. Played, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When they played Maccabi Haifa, they needed a last minute goal in the first leg to win 2 1, and that ended up being the difference. Drew 1 1 away. It was in Kiev, I think. So Toulouse is the only one I think of that was you know, fairly easy, fairly routine. Yeah, I mean, we don't. It, it's You hear it regularly from supporters. We never, we never make it easy for ourselves. and... I'm fully expecting that this will be a very tight game over there. The good news is we've got Anfield game second, haven't mm. we? That, that, was, that will be important. That I was mean, a significant yeah. moment, I think, given their home record. Mm. Um, it's nice for for Liverpool to be able to come back to Anfield and try and get the job done. But it, it is, you know, for something that can be so important for the football club, I just think we could have done without it. I'll take, either yeah. take an easy regulation, you know, Nil nil away, two nil at Anfield, go through type five. Well, they should have finished third, then shouldn't they? That's the whole thing. At least they've got the chance, and that's what they wanted, right? That'll do us for this podcast. Join us next time, where we will look ahead to the start of the new season. Cheerio.